Good day, friends. Welcome to our Bible reading community. It's July 18th, and you are listening to the One Year Bible Tour Guide podcast, where we encourage the reading of the Bible in a year, book by book, page by page, with daily portions from the Old and New Testaments, as well as from the books of Psalms and Proverbs. My name is David McAdam, and I'm delighted to serve as your tour guide as we visit today's portions from the One Year Bible and give a recap after each reading to reinforce the message and to help you see how what we have just read fits into the context and overall theme of the Bible. We are in the book of 1 Chronicles, chapter 26 in the Old Testament, and the Apostle Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 4 in the New Testament. This year, we are reading from the English Standard Version, the ESV. There are many good English-language Bible versions. Some are more analytic, that is, more of a word-for-word correspondence with the source language, such as the New American Standard Bible, a favorite of mine, the ESV, and the King James Version. Then there are versions that, for the sake of readability, translate with a dynamic equivalence, thought for thought, such as the New International Version, the NIV. These translations were all done by groups of scholars rather than just the product of one person's paraphrase. So the important thing is you you just choose one and read it, and we pray that the Lord would open the eyes of your heart's understanding as you do so. So let's begin today's Bible excursion with 1 Chronicles chapter 26, beginning with verse 12. These divisions of the gatekeepers, corresponding to their chief men, had duties, just as their brothers did ministering in the house of the Lord. And they cast lots by fathers' houses, small and great alike, for their gates. The lot for the east fell to Shelemiah. They cast lots also for his son Zechariah, a shrewd counselor, and his lot came out for the north. Obedidim's came out for the south, and to his sons was allotted the gatehouse. For Shuppim and Hosa it came out for the west, at the gate of Sheleketh on the road that goes up. Watch corresponded to watch. On the east there were six each day, on the north four each day, on the south four each day, as well as two and two at the gatehouse. And for the colonnade on the west there were four at the road and two at the colonnade. These were the divisions of the gatekeepers among the Korahites and the sons of Merari. And of the Levites, Ahijah had charge of the treasuries of the house of God and the treasuries of the dedicated gifts. The sons of Ladan, the sons of the Gershonites belonging to Ladan, the heads of the fathers' houses belonging to Ladan the Gershonite, Jehiali. The sons of Jehiali, Zetam, and Joel, his brother, were in charge of the treasuries of the house of the Lord. Of the Amramites, the Israhites, the Hebronites, and the Uzziahites. And Shebuel, the son of Gershom, son of Moses, was chief officer in charge of the treasuries. His brothers, from Eliezer, were his son Rehabiah, and his son Jeshiah, and his son Joram, and his son Zikri, and his son Shalomoth. This Shalomoth and his brothers were in charge of all the treasuries of the dedicated gifts that David the king and the heads of the father's houses and the officers of the thousands and the hundreds and the commanders of the army had dedicated. From spoil won in battles, they dedicated gifts for the maintenance of the house of the Lord. 
Also, all that Samuel the seer, and Saul the son of Kish, and Abner the son of Ner, and Joab the son of Zeruiah, had dedicated. All dedicated gifts were in the care of Shelemoth and his brothers. Of the Israelites, Jenaniah and his sons were appointed to external duties for Israel as officers and judges. Of the Hebronites, Hashabiah and his brothers, 1,700 men of ability, had the oversight of Israel westward of the Jordan for all the work of the Lord and for the service of the king. Of the Hebronites, Jerijah was chief of the Hebronites of whatever genealogy or father's houses. In the fortieth year of David's reign, search was made, and men of great ability among them were found at Jazer and Gilead. King David appointed him and his brothers, 2,700 men of ability, heads of fathers' houses, to have the oversight of the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manassites, for everything pertaining to God and for the affairs of the king. Chapter 27. Military Divisions. This is the number of the people of Israel, the heads of fathers' houses, the commanders of thousands and hundreds, and their officers who served the king in all matters concerning the divisions that came and went, month after month, throughout the year, each division numbering 24,000. Joshobiam, the son of Zabdiel, was in charge of the first division in the first month. In his division were 24,000. He was a descendant of Perez and was chief of all the commanders. He served for the first month. Dodai, the Ahohite, was in charge of the division of the second month. In his division were 24,000. The third commander for the third month was Beniah, the son of Jehoiada, the chief priest. In his division were 24,000. This is the Beniah who was a mighty man of the thirty and in command of the thirty. Amizabad, his son, was in charge of his division. Asahel, the brother of Joab, was fourth for the fourth month, and his son, Zebediah, after him, in his division were twenty-four thousand. The fifth commander for the fifth month was Shamhoth, the Israelite, in his division were twenty-four thousand. Six for the sixth month was Ira, the son of Ikesh, the Tekoite, in his division were twenty-four thousand. Seventh for the seventh month was Helaz, the Pelonite, of the sons of Ephraim, in his division were twenty-four thousand. Eighth for the eighth month was Sibekai the Hushathite, of the Zerahites, in his division were twenty-four thousand. Ninth for the ninth month was Abiezer of Anathoth, a Benjaminite, in his division were twenty-four thousand. Tenth for the tenth month was Maharai of Netophah, of the Zerahites, in his division were twenty-four thousand. Eleventh for the eleventh month was Beniah of Pirathon, of the sons of Ephraim, in his division were twenty-four thousand. Twelfth for the twelfth month was Heldai, the Netophathite, of Othniel. In his division were twenty-four thousand. Over the tribes of Israel, for the Reubenites, Eliezer, the son of Zikri, was chief officer. For the Simeonites, Shephatiah, the son of Maacah. For Levi, Hashabiah, the son of Kemuel. For Aaron, Zadok. For Judah, Elihu one of David's brothers, for Issachar, Omri, the son of Mikael, for Zebulun, Ishmael, the son of Obadiah, for Naphtali, Jeremoth, the son of Azrael, for the Ephraimites, Hoshea, the son of Azaziah, for the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joel, the son of Padiah, for the half-tribe of Manasseh and Gilead, Iddo, the son of Zechariah, for Benjamin, 
Jaziel, the son of Abner, for Dan, Azarel, the son of Jeroham. These were the leaders of the tribes of Israel. David did not count those below twenty years of age, for the Lord had promised to make Israel as many as the stars of heaven. Joab, the son of Zeruiah, began to count, but did not finish. Yet wrath came upon Israel for this, and the number was not entered in the chronicles of King David. Over the king's treasuries was Asmaveth, the son of Adiel, and over the treasuries in the country, in the cities, in the villages, and in the towers was Jonathan, the son of Uzziah. And over those who did the work of the field for tilling the soil was Ezri, the son of Chelub. And over the vineyards was Shemai, the Ramathite. And over the produce of the vineyards for the wine cellars was Zabdi, the Shifmite. Over the olive and sycamore trees in Shephelah was Baal Hanan, the Gedarite. And over the stores of oil was Joash. Over the herds that pastured in Sharon was Shitrai, the Sharonite. Over the herds in the valleys was Shaphat, the son of Adlai. Over the camels was Abil, the Ishmaelite. And over the donkeys was Jediah, the Moronathite. Over the flocks was Jaziz, the Hagrite. All these were stewards of King David's property. Jonathan, David's uncle, was a counselor, being a man of understanding and a scribe. He and Jehiel, the son of Hakmonai, attended the king's sons. Ahithophel was the king's counselor, and Hushai the archite was the king's friend. Ahithophel was succeeded by Jehoiada, the son of Benaiah, and Abiathar. Joab was commander of the king's army. And this concludes today's portions from the Old Testament reading from the book of First Chronicles. Now let's take a few moments to recap and reflect. In yesterday's reading, we were introduced to the Levites who served as security guards, the gatekeepers, and also had responsibilities to minister in the house of the Lord. None of the gatekeepers stood alone, but were placed on guard with teammates. Some of the Levites were in charge of the treasures, the tithes, and gifts. These were the financial managers. The priests and the military were divided into different courses, administrative or fighting units, or divisions. Think of them as different groups or teams, each being assigned a particular work shift. Each course would be assigned to serve for one month at a time. This rotation made the work less burdensome. The military units were quite sizable, 24,000 in each. There is wisdom in shared ministry where worshipers can take a break from their performed duties and benefit from the ministry of others. It is also a way for people to take on new tasks of service and discover their spiritual gifts. Every now and then in these lists, we get information on those who are of noteworthy value, such as Zechariah, who is a counselor with insight, in 1 Chronicles chapter 26, verse 14, or Jonathan, David's uncle, who was also a counselor and a man of understanding. We are told of Hushai, who had a special role as the king's friend. You may remember reading how Hushai proved his friendship when David sent him as a spy and informant into Absalom's court in 2 Samuel chapter 15 verses 13 through 37, chapter 16 verses 15 through chapter 17 verse 16. Absalom received Hushai as a counselor, believing that Hushai had forsaken his friendship with his father, Hushai played a special role in David being able to reclaim the throne in Jerusalem. Think about that. Has the Lord appointed some in the body of Christ to be your friend? I think so. Friendship is a special gift. 
what a friend we have in Jesus. It is important to keep in mind that, as organized and involved in the worship services as the children of Israel were, they would eventually be taken into captivity. Why? Because of sin. This is why we need to give careful attention to our own walk with the Lord and encourage those we serve with to fight sin and walk in holiness. The leaders and people who served in the golden age of David and Solomon were not on guard. There was so much loss as a result of their turning their backs on God. All of this reminds us of our need to turn to the greater King, the greater David, the greater Solomon, Jesus Christ, who has given us the privilege of serving in the greater temple of His body, the Church. He is able to help us fight sin and keep us from falling. He is able to present us faultless in the presence of His glory with exceeding joy. Jude chapter 1 verse 24 Now let's go to today's reading from the New Testament, Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 4, beginning with verse 13. And we'll read through to chapter 5, verse 5. The promise realized through faith. Romans chapter 4, verse 13. For the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if it is the adherents of the law who are to be the heirs, faith is null and the promise is void. For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, there is no transgression. That is why it depends on faith, in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring, not only to the adherent of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations, in the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. In hope he believed against hope, that he should become the father of many nations, as he had been told, so shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, But he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. But the words, it was counted to him, were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Chapter 5. Peace with God Through Faith Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. This concludes today's portion from our New Testament reading from the Apostle Paul's letter to the Romans. The Apostle Paul takes us back to the example of Abraham, who was justified by faith apart from works, and irrespective to the law of Moses. How do we know this? 
because the law had not been given yet. Paul is thinking of Abraham's response to God's promise. In Genesis chapter 15, verse 6, Then he believed in the Lord, and he reckoned it to him as righteousness. Abraham's relationship with God was not based upon law-keeping or law-breaking, but believing God and following Him by faith. Abraham's faith was not a mind game of striving to believe something hard enough to make it happen. He merely rested in God's ability to do what he had promised, even when he had no capacity to bring about that promise in his own strength. The good news that Abraham experienced, God's righteousness credited to him as a free gift, is for us as well. Now it is not for his sake only what was written that it was credited to him, but for our sake also, to whom it will be credited, as those who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, he who was delivered over because of our transgressions and raised because of our justification. Romans chapter 4, verses 23 to 25. The resurrection is a validation of the atoning work of Christ on the cross as being the legal ground for our justification. In Romans chapter 4, verse 25. Chapter 5 introduces the fruit of our being declared righteous before a holy God. Number 1. We have peace with God. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Number 2. We have access to all the covenant blessings won by Jesus' perfect obedience on our behalf. In verse 2. Number 3. We have the certain hope of the future grace of our bodily redemption. Glorified bodies in the kingdom reign of Jesus Christ on the earth and in the new heaven and the new earth, in verse 2. Number 4. We have a unique perspective that enables us to glorify God in our weakness, knowing that our afflictions are light and temporary. Our pains are turned to both temporal and eternal gains, producing patience, perseverance, character, and the blessed hope of the kingdom to come. And that hope does not disappoint because Jesus Christ has given His Bride a betrothal gift, the indwelling Holy Spirit, who gives us a foretaste of the reign of God's love working in and through our lives. In verses 3 through 5. Now let's go to the Bible's songbook, the book of Psalms, and we'll be reading today Psalm 14, beginning with verse 1. To the choir master, a Psalm of David. Psalm 14. The fool says in his heart, There is no God. They are corrupt. They do abominable deeds. There is none who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. They have all turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There is none who does good, not even one. Have they no knowledge? All the evildoers who eat up my people as they eat bread and do not call upon the Lord? There they are in great terror, for God is with the generation of the righteous. You would shame the plans of the poor, but the Lord is his refuge. Oh, that salvation for Israel would come out of Zion. When the Lord restores the fortunes of his people, let Jacob rejoice, let Israel be glad. I once heard a message titled, If there is a God, why are there atheists? R.C. Sproul wrote a book on the psychology of atheism with the same title, highlighting what motivated the atheism of prominent thinkers such as Freud, Nietzsche, and Marx. The psalmist gives his take on the psychology of atheism in Psalm 14. It is a heart issue. 
The fool has said in his heart, There is no God. They are corrupt. They have committed abominable deeds. There is no one who does good. Psalm 14, verse 1. And then in verse 3 we read, They have all turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. Does that last verse sound familiar? We read it a few days ago as the Apostle Paul quoted it in Romans chapter 3, verse 12. Eternity will make believers out of everyone, said C.S. Lewis. May those who have taken refuge in the Lord, in Psalm 14, 6, engage the lost in redemptive conversations. What a contrast between those that live in their self-imposed confinement in dungeons of doubt and those who dwell with the Lord and His virtues in Palace Beautiful. Psalm 14, verse 5. There they are in great dread, for God is with the righteous generation. And now we go to our final stop on today's Bible tour, the treasure chest of wisdom, the book of Proverbs. A proverb a day keeps foolishness away, and today's proverb is Proverbs 19, verse 17. Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his deed. Let us live our lives as unto the Lord and see the nobility of every human being, for although they are fatally flawed through the fall and in need of God's saving grace, they are made in His image, and in doing service to our fellow human beings, we can be ministering to those He dignified by virtue of His creation. So in being gracious to a poor man, you are lending to the Lord. Remember when Jesus spoke of His future coming in glory and rewarding those who were compassionate to the needy, saying, For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry, and feed you, or thirsty, and give you something to drink? And when did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? The king will answer and say to them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these my brothers, even the least of them, you did it to me. Matthew 25, verses 35-40 through 40. Now let's pray together. Lord, we are grateful for the many ministries in the body of Christ. Each member has a unique portion and has been given unique capacities to serve as part of this new community. Thank you for appointing friends to come alongside us and to encourage us to enthrone the greater David moment by moment. Thank you for the finished work of redemption and that by simple faith in the promise, the good news of who Jesus is and what he has done, we are justified freely and enjoy the peace of reconciliation with you. The fruit of this justification by faith is access into your presence and every spiritual blessing that is ours in Christ Jesus. We do not have an over-realized eschatology. We realize that some of these blessings are for the future age. You have prioritized that we grow in grace, experiencing patience, perseverance, character development, and trust, as we seek to glorify you with unconditional obedience. Help us to dignify our daily trials by constantly relying upon you as the Holy Spirit enables us and floods our hearts with your love. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Well, that wraps up today's excursion with our one-year Bible reading. 
We look forward to continuing our journey tomorrow and hope that you can be with us. If you have any questions or comments, you can write us at podcast at newlife.org. You can also go to our website, newlife.org, and learn more about our ministries. You can go to our website, newlifefinearts.org, to learn about how we communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ through the performing arts. You can subscribe to a daily email, which gives a written copy of our commentary on the one-year Bible portions. So the websites are newlife.org or newlifefinearts.org. So as we go into the rest of the day, may the Lord be glorified in every word, every deed, every attitude, and may we be responsive to the impulse of His love, the Holy Spirit working through our hearts. Shalom. Shalom.